What's up, guys? We're back, the High Street Freaks. It's been a while for us, but actually weirdly not for you because we did that whole like pre-record the episode sort of thing. So me and Ryan haven't seen each other in like two weeks at this point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So uh, I don't know. How, how's it been? You, you survived your uh, um, non-disclosed trip travel ex extravaganza or wherever you were i think i think this one was disclosed i was just in mexico for my uh for my um and my corporate retreat for my, my day job uh mm -hmm. not the meet at midfield mexican corporate retreats coming after we flee the country um Good on tax evasion yeah. i i would i would do anything for a meet at midfield mexican retreat i think we, we need to <laughs> we need to plan that that would that would be really fun honestly we can, I, we can just open it open it up to subscribers and stuff too just be like hey yeah us here yeah we have like a patreon tier where it's like it's equally expensive to buy us a shot or see our feet um <laughs> you just get to choose yeah yeah <laughs> if we don't specify as you get you, you if you don't specify as you get both at the same time specify yeah. is the word that specifies jesus it's been a long day i'm uh i am still feeling i'm feeling the after effects of mexico today but i'm powering through i'm excited for this pod yeah Me mexico killed you not not well you're Dude, still standing you're still standing i'm still standing i got in last night to pittsburgh at like i think midnight basically uh -huh. and then i had to work this morning at 9 a.m uh usually it's eight but i I don't know, pushed back an hour. I feel and then that. Uh, yeah. I'm moving to Mexico. Or sorry, I'm moving to Mexico. I'm moving to New York on Wednesday. Uh, so I had to go pick up the U-Haul today and do some packing. It's been a fucking adventure. It's been an adventure. It's going to be an adventure for the next 48 hours. But podcast, a welcome reprieve. I'm, I'm here to just talk shit with the fuck guys. It's just kind of my, my natural state. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but I guess we, since it's been two weeks, there has been a whole bunch of shit that's just like collected um so we're we got quite a bit to talk about actually um maybe we'll make ourselves angry about things that happened a week and a half ago maybe we'll uh you know be be happy about some things it's just it's tough to tell um but i think our our general rundown is uh we're going to talk some recruiting um we're going to talk some shit about ryan day as usual um i think that's you can just kind of pencil that in to the the schedule on every one of our podcasts and then uh i think we're going to give some updates on camp, um, not updates. Camp hasn't started yet. We're, we're going to give our thoughts on, on camp and tell you what we're going to be right about this year um, in, in terms of camp. So I don't know. It seems like a fun podcast. We've actually got some stuff to talk yeah. about. We'll shoot um, around. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. But I think the first thing I was excited about, and I swear to God, this isn't an ad read. Um, it is Kyle Lamp. Good God. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hand this over to you. How did you feel? How did you How did you find what you just scrolled across on Twitter.com? Sorry, X.com. Yeah. Is that what it is? X.com. It basically was sent to me by like three or four different people in the period of about five minutes. That's how um, you know. I got yeah. <laughs> I basically me and DJ and I think to a lesser extent like Ben Axelrod and Gus and people were all tagged immediately. It's just like the the internet's foremost Kyle Lamb haters. I've been on the hating Kyle Lamb beat for at least three years now, if not longer. Um, yeah, I think DJ longer are, for you. I, I think longer. longer. <laughs> it's like a fucking a four year resident of this beat. I, I think I think most people started on the hating Kyle Lamb beat um, when he started the like COVID nineteen stuff. But you, I think, were an OG on that, and I think like everyone was like, "Holy shit, this guy's nuts!" And you're like, "Yeah, man." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Look, Kyle Lamb's a loser. Like he, 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 
I had to, I think I told the story before, so I'll take, I'll keep it brief, but like, I was obligated to work with him when I was working for Land of Ten. Like, they just had him, they basically fired out a podcast to him and me and Ryan Ginn and uh, basically us two, you know, Austin Warp was also there, but um, I think he had less responsibility for it. We were required to do a podcast with Kyle Lamb like once every couple of weeks, just come on, do a quick hit. He's just the weirdest guy. Like, he would end every episode, we'd like, stop recording, he would ask me to hang out with him to watch WWE. Um, <laughs> did you ever do it? I never once took him up. You need to take him up on it now. Yeah, God, <laughs> he's like, dude, I got a new TV, like, fights on this. You know, he called yeah. like the fight, too, which is the funny part. Like, SmackDown this Friday, like, oh, I got plans, I can't, I can't swing it. Um, he's just a weird guy to start with, and also became like a hard right wing lunatic. Um, I really didn't know about his politics much until COVID started. When he was posting about the Delaware State Fairgrounds hosting UN troops and blue helmets, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, don't forget the fact that he posted something else about the COVID vaccine stats. And Trayvon Grimes' dad, I guess, still followed him for recruiting for some reasons, and replied, <laughs> and just called him Kyle Ham was tweeting about COVID vaccine stats, and he just replied with two words, which were "cum drinker." <laughs> legitimately the funniest tweet i have ever seen i saw that natively on my timeline too like i think you did too it was just like scrolling and i was like no fucking way but um i i think man i wish this was a premium podcast there are there are a lot of things that are i they've been like scrubbed from the existence of the internet it seems but he has posted a lot of shady shit online like conspiratorial stuff that like no longer exists and so like i don't really want to get sued because i think kyle lamb would absolutely there's a very good chance that kyle lamb could like find this podcast and sue me so i'm not gonna do it but there were quite a few things it could be a lottery winning type day for him legally speaking legally speaking yeah yeah. (laughs) um so i i don't i don't want to say anything that isn't provable anymore but there were like like before even the the UN troops thing there was a lot of like weird conspiracy stuff that he like posted about on like rivals boards and stuff um that made it not really shocking that he was talking about UN troops landing at the Columbus fairground so like i can't really prove any of the things that have been like shady about him but there's 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 quite a bit um but I, I don't even think we've actually addressed what we were going to. The address. story. Yeah, yeah. So so basically what came out is Ron has had his campaign uh, published a campaign ad video that featured the Sonnenrad symbol, uh, which is basically like a um, – it's a fascist symbol from like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Sorry, my brain's starting off here. Like from Nordic origins, basically. It's, a, it's an older like fascist symbol from Northern European origins. Um, there are a lot of things that came out, but that was the most notable part, as well as, um, as well as a video of Donald Trump uh, being, you know, uh, being supportive of LGBT rights. They were going to use that as like a slam against him, which is kind of interesting given some uh, background to some folks. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, that was that was included as part of this, uh, and basically it all came out that Kyle Lamb was actively involved in creating and pushing out this video. Uh, via semaphore.com. Uh, the article, the, the author of the article was Dave Weigel, who we all know and love, uh, and Shelby Talcott. Um, and <laughs> basically came out that Lamb was on this and said in the group chat, the signal chat, this belongs in the Smithsonian. 
Uh, and he has since been laid off. He's one of 30 people laid off amid a campaign reset. He was their director of research and data, which I'll say it right here. You have to figure that naming Kyle Lamb your director of research and data is a major contributing factor to why your campaign fell off the face of the earth. No? I, I, yeah. I mean, that, that, I, I just, I did not realize that he had been laid off. But yeah, I, I, I think all in all, that's the perfect assessment of the situation. Um, all in all, it's like we were talking about this before the podcast. Like, it makes all the sense in the world that if Kyle Lamb was linked to any political candidate, any politician in general, it would be Ron DeSantis. Like, the energy is just so much the same. Um, yeah, man. I, all in all, this was just like bizarre world. Really happy. Made me really happy. Like, getting downstream wins against Kyle Lamb, like, years after on the beef with him. Is so fun. Like that's one that'll never stop me funny to me. Like whenever Zach Smith gets arrested again next, which is probably coming up here in the next year or two, like that's never going to stop being good. I'm going to appreciate each and every opportunity I get to have to dunk on these guys. Um, it's yeah. a, it's a joy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I I don't know. That was that's like a a man. I he he's a very fun one because I don't even know how I would like begin to describe who he is to just like a normal person. You know, like God bless you if you do not know who Kyle Lamb is. I it's honestly probably funny to like you, me, and like I guess probably most of our listeners know him, but any other Buckeye podcast talking about this, you have like two or three listeners each who know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's, but somehow there's everyone, we like, that's actually like, we've been talking about like, what is the meetup midfield, like core demographic it's on bad. the Ohio state side it's people who know who Kyle Lamb is. Yeah. I think, I think our listeners just are like in tune to like the Ohio state, like DJ used to call it the Ohio state cinematic universe. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't just know Ohio state football, you know, the people who know Ohio state football. And so like, you are like aware of the drama and what goes on and message boards and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, hats off to you. If you're listening to this and you have talked shit about, or to Kyle lamb, because, uh, this, this podcast, we, you know, you're the ones who we do it for. We should do Ohio state beat beef history one day. And just like, <laughs> yeah it'd be a long podcast we could have an entire podcast dedicated oh yeah i mean it should be a series it should be an office yeah. series we just like detail beef between two or more people i i loved our idea we we tossed it around and we never actually did it of just like letting people on the ohio state beat or former people on the ohio state beat write in of just like an airing of grievances about somebody else yeah yeah i think that'd be great actually we should <laughs> I think I think DJ came up with I I, I can't I, it could have been you or DJ um, said that we should actually just message everyone on the beat and tell them that somebody else anonymously talked shit about them and if they would like to air their grievances about somebody else because then they feel like they're on the defensive they're like oh shit I'm dragged into this like oh I gotta, yeah I got to do something this would be so just the Ohio State beat tell all this yeah. would be such a good article dude fuck. <laughs> We should do it. Okay. Anyway, let's let's circle back to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kyle so, Lamb got laid off. Kyle Lamb sucks. It's still funny every time. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where he pops up next. Um, I'm sure it's gonna be Uber. <laughs> yeah. I I don't. Yeah. Yeah. He he was famously an Uber driver too. Um, I think that that's the funniest thing is I think that's what started 
all of the COVID stuff. I think, like, if you really trace back the, 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 like, villain origin story, it's that he was an Uber driver and he didn't want, like, that was his occupation and he was worried about his job security. And so, like, he turned into, like, a supervillain because he was just worried about not being able to drive people in his car anymore because of the the very bad virus. So, um, that's, like, on, honestly, like, that's that sounds like a superhero movie to me. Um, and now he's, he's been defeated just in the most anticlimactic way possible. I, I, I I do wish that he was with the campaign long enough for us to get like, I, I I wish that like it could have led to Donald Trump saying some shit about him like that. That would have been like the perfect story arc is if like Donald Trump personally brought him down. God, I can only wish for it, dude. He's there's a non-zero chance that it could have happened if he would have stayed there long enough. I'm sure we can find his Stormfront account if you look hard enough. Like, I'm sure he's on there. Uh, like, we just got to figure out yeah. where he's at. Um, he, I'm sure he didn't cover his tracks very well. I'll do some research one day. I'll work on this. Um, that's, that's your new life's mission. Yeah, I have some... I, there's more dirt to be dug. I, I have a feeling on that. I mean, we'll see if he pops up anywhere. If he does, I'm on it. Um, I'll, I'll stay tuned into his LinkedIn profile. Um, he's got to be on Truth Social, too. Must be, must yeah. be. Yeah, I'm sure you're gonna find where he hasn't blocked me at yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I half, I bet. Not not only not only <laughs> am I not blocked, I think he follows me on Twitter. Oh, so you should DM him for comment. Yeah. Would you like to comment on this story? Yeah. When when we when we drop our our Kyle Lamb expose, that'll shoot him a DM. Yeah. Say, for sure. You have five minutes to comment before this goes live. Anyway, <laughs> besides Lamb, what else you want to talk? We have a rundown of events here. You you can pick the order. I'll uh, I'm just ready to fire takes so, at any point so in time. I want to do um just a general recruiting update. Obviously, Aaron Scott committed yesterday. At this point, we're recording this on Monday. Um, fuck it. I'll One of the best tomorrow. troll commits of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. I don't think like we've ever expressed any real concern that he was really going to go to Michigan. Um, but he kind of kept it like close to the vest a little bit enough that like, I was going to say Michigan people, but Sam Webb, Sam Webb was like convincing people that he had not made up his mind yet and was like, could have chosen Michigan. And um, there, there were like people that up until his commitment, firmly believed that he was going to like choose Michigan and he, he trolled, he trolled the hell out of them too, by like oh, yeah. gear and stuff like that too. So like, I don't know, all in all, it was, I, I appreciate it. It's he, really, really funny that he went to Ohio state for a visit with his family on a Friday night and then told everyone else he didn't decide until the day of the commitment. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Well, it, it was especially funny, funny because um, he did like an interview with Berm like three days before his commitment like talking yeah. about his commitment to Ohio state. And it's like, you know, like sometimes kids give quotes about like, if I'm going to commit and they'll give quotes about what school, like that isn't a thing that like, you know, that, that happens sometimes, but this was like a 30 minute interview. You're not going to like sit down for a 30 minute video interview with a guy about three not. different schools. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not how this works. So um, anybody who claimed that he hadn't made up his mind or was really ever going to Michigan was lying to you. And if you're a Michigan fan that sincerely thought that he was going to Ohio State or was was sincerely thought that he was going to Michigan, you got lied to by whoever you get your yep. information from. Sam Webb, yeah. Sam Webb. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there was that one kid that one kid, 
excuse me, one guy on their boards who claimed his son is a friend of Aaron Scott's and, and Michigan was a leader all the way. And then basically he backed off in the final month. Yeah. I think he managed to make up the whole thing. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I, 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 that's kind that's kind of where I'm going to. Um, I, I just like, I never got the vibe from anybody who was remotely plugged into this situation that he was ever going to go anywhere but Ohio state. And like, that's kind of the vibe that we've always given on this podcast too. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm like, I'm talking out my ass here, but like, I, I, I agree that it was probably close, but like, I don't think Michigan was ever like the leader, but anyway. Um, no, I tend to agree. Like they, they did, they did make it close. They did a good job recruiting him. It just didn't matter because his dad was a Buckeye patron in control the whole time. Right. Like when, when someone, I don't know. I went there first. One of our, we have a couple buddies of the podcast. I have a group chat with about recruiting. I forget if one of them found it first or if I found it first, but like his dad's Instagram account, once you scroll back on his dad's Instagram account and see the pictures he's been posting, it was never going any other way. Like his dad simply was not letting this go any other way. He was posting pictures of his, of Aaron Scott in a signed Braxton Miller Jersey back in like 2013. Like he's, he has like a, a monthly post on the season of like him, like in a Buckeye Jersey with a Henny bottle. Like he is a, uh, like Aaron Scott's dad is a specific kind of Dayton Buckeye football dad, which like, I love it. If you, if you know the kind of person you recognize them immediately. Yep. Uh, and you have to, it's hard to, area. you have to be in that area. If you can, like Dayton is almost more of a Buckeye struggle than Columbus at a certain level, because like no one it's moves different. to Dayton. Yeah. Yeah. No one moves to Dayton. Everyone from Dayton is from Dayton. Like, or they're in the or they're in the Air Force. It's one of the two. Yep. Like, <laughs> but like <laughs> that. Like once I saw his Instagram account, I was like, oh, this is. I was. I had no worries at all. The last like two or three months of the recruitment, it was over. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, other recruits I am worried about. We're gonna do a quick recruiting rundown here, really quick. I'm gonna give a couple sentences to each guy. Make this kind of quick. Um, KJ Bolden has been back and forth between Ohio State, Georgia, and Auburn. Florida State has some buzz, but he's not going to Florida State. Bama's out of it. It is allegedly a three-team race. He gave a quote saying he almost committed to Auburn. I do not buy it at all. Um, this one's coming out on Sunday. I believe it's coming Sunday. It's going to be released. Um, I think it's an Ohio State-Georgia battle. I am leaning Georgia right now, but have some cautious optimism in Ohio State. We'll see. I don't think anyone knows. I think there's rumors out there from Andrew Ellis. He's highly committed to Ohio State, but he also did the same thing to Georgia. So <laughs> I don't know. I he that. is like I love that. He is a game player. Um, Ohio State should offer him whatever he wants in money. They should offer whatever amount of money he wants to get him. It's worth it. Um, Brandon Baker. I think Ohio State will get Brandon Baker. I think he's in. Um, I think they're getting him. I think it is Texas and Oregon running second and third. But Ohio State's been a constant here. I think he's coming to Ohio State. It's over this summer. Um, Jeremiah McClellan and Chance Robinson with two remaining receiver targets. Also, Jojo Trader, but I'll get to him in a second. Uh, McClellan has been a guy we've talked about a million times. He's kind of been back and forth between Ohio State and Oregon. He did cancel a scheduled Oregon visit, which is exciting. Uh, Mizzou has popped up this recruitment last minute. Um, he's a he's a Missouri kid. Uh, Mizzou's going to fire their coach this year, pretty much, so I don't think he's going to Mizzou. I, I appreciate the hometown stuff, but I'm not buying that one at all. Uh, they did just offer Chance Robinson, however, who is a Miami commit out of St. Thomas Aquinas in South Florida. Um, he posted a picture of Jack Smith and Jigba, so he's his favorite recruit, favorite player of all time, whatever. And then he was talking with Jeremiah Smith, a couple other guys. Uh, I think they're going to flip him. I think they're going to get McClellan and Chance Robinson to close up the class. 
and have four receivers. And it's like Brian Hartline just found a top 150 guy, like after not talking to him all year, like offered him a good him like two weeks later. It's pretty great. Um, he's sick. Dylan Stewart, I think, is going to South Carolina on the five star defensive end. He visited there for their barbecue this weekend. Um, I don't know. Ohio State sources are confident. South Carolina sources are confident. I don't really have any goods here. It's it's but to me, it seems like it's probably South Carolina. I'm just getting the vibe. It's it's them. Ohio State kind of emerged as second team, but I think it's he's probably got one back over there. When he didn't commit after his visit, I think it was over. Um, Edric Houston, other five star defensive end, I think is coming to Ohio State. I feel pretty good on this one. It's been kind of in the been the barn for a couple months now. Um, Buford kid. I think it's over. I think they're getting him. I don't know if there's any other serious second team. The other teams floated up. It's just he's going to Ohio State. So Quan Patterson, uh, another top 100 safety out of Florida. Um, there were some rumors about him like being going away from Ohio State, which are not founded at all. He's going to take an official visit in the fall. This one has not started yet. No need to be worried about it at all yet. Worry about it in October, November. Um, JoJo Trader, Miami commit. I guess that's we didn't talk about that. He did commit to Miami, but we were off for those those two weeks. Uh, I don't care. He's, <laughs> I don't care if he's committed there. They're going to win like seven games and then they're going to lose all their NIL money because John Ruiz is going to jail. Have you been following that story? Yes. That, yeah. is, that is another absolutely wild story. I think they had like, I forget the exact numbers. I have a screenshot of it somewhere, but like their promised revenue numbers versus their actual for his company life wallet. Let me pull it up here. I have it on my Twitter. Um, they were projected to pull in $992 million in 2022 in revenue and actually pulled in $23.4 million. Oops. Um, that is a lot less. If you, if you're not aware of that, that's uh that's about 40 times less than, than they were expecting, which is, Kevin, I believe that's not great. No, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think that that's what you like to hear in terms of no. money. No, you don't. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think Miami doesn't have any money, and some of these <laughs> NIL recruits are going to realize it pretty soon. And I think JoJo Trader will come to. I, I am predicting a flip for both JoJo Trader and Marquise Lightfoot, the defensive end, to leave Miami's class and come to Ohio State. Trader as a safety, Lightfoot as a defensive end. Um, I'll hope about that. Charleston Collins, defensive end out of uh, Arkansas, was rumored to take an Ohio State visit this summer. Kind of popped up. Has been really no juice behind this one at all yet. I think he is not coming to Ohio State. I don't know if he sticks to Arkansas or not, but I think he's not going to be a Buckeye. Um, Dominic McKinley, five-star defensive tackle out of Louisiana. Took an official visit, had a lot of buzz. Basically, has been nothing about his recruitment since. There's for any team. I think the fact there's no Ohio State buzz makes you think it's not Ohio State, but also no one has any buzz right now. I don't really know what to think about him. My prediction is not Ohio State. Kobe Black, five-star corner out of Texas. Another one here who is... Um, rumor is pretty much the last corner Ohio State's chasing out. They have Aaron Scott in the class. Again, I think he probably does not come to Ohio State. I think he probably is going to Texas um, or somewhere out there. My prediction is not Ohio State. Um, that's kind of the bore. Any notes of those guys you want to follow up on or anything you're interested in there? Nothing really. I think uh, obviously the changes from last time we talked, um, I think, would be well, obviously. Um, yeah. Chance Robinson is new. Uh, KJ Bolden, I think you were a little more confident in Ohio State last time. Um, I just have no. I don't think anyone has any no read has, here. No one has any idea. No one has. Any yeah, idea, which is he, fun. He, the, the the problem is that he's telling every school what they want to hear. Yeah, which is great. I love that. It's that's it's it makes everything fun. It gives me um 
vibes of like Torrance Gibson slash Von Bell. Like yes. both of those guys where it's just like, who the hell knows? Um, unfortunately, both of those, you know, worked out in my school's favor. Um, but like both of those guys, nobody knew until like he pulled, put the hat on where they were going. Uh, so that's that's kind of the vibes I get from KJ Bolden, which is frustrating because I think he is by far the most important recruit still on the board. Um, so that's, you know, it is what it is. Dylan Stewart, I think you're a little more confident that... <clears throat> Sorry, I think that you were a little more confident last time that uh, he would end up at Ohio State, but um, South yeah. Carolina seems to have made a push there, which is fine, I, especially if they can get Lightfoot back. Yeah, I will say as long as they get one of Stewart or Lightfoot, I'm chilling. Like if you get Houston plus one of those two, yeah, I'm fine. You need to find a third defensive end somewhere. Yeah, I don't know who that player is. Maybe Booker. Oh, I forgot Booker Pickett this list. Um, I think they're gonna get Booker Pickett, dude. I, I feel good about that one too. If they get those three, I'm good. Like, it's not going to be a number one class we were hoping for, but that's a pretty good spot to be in. So, like, you're in a number two or number three class. You're doing well at the right position. It's like, I'm fine with that, uh, especially with Justin Scott in the class. I like a second defensive tackle, but, like, all the guys they're kind of going after are pretty much off the board. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Maybe Dominic Kirks and States have got to go after. Um, I would like to see them land three defensive ends and two defensive tackles this class. That is my that is my like to have for this. Um, I think they're getting two more receivers. I think they're getting another offensive tackle, probably Brandon Baker. They need to get two more defensive backs, in my opinion. They have three commit. No, they have four committed right now. I want to see at least one more, ideally two. Um, if they get Bolden and Trader, that's fucking insane. Uh, that's filthy. Trader could play receiver, but he's a he's a safety to me. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and th- those are two. Yeah. I mean, those are two totally total possibilities. Um, I think I think Bolden's definitely the the top of my list that I would like to see. Yeah. Happen. If I'll say if they get Bolden, the whole tenor of recruiting the rest of the year changes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Then um, I I think this is like also Bolden was a guy that we've been watching for like. Two years at at this point, like, yeah, like two years. This is like we've been circling this for like two years as a guy that Ohio State like needed to get, but yeah, I mean, whatever the bag is, drop it. I don't care how much Auburn's on. Like, I I posted this on one of the message boards, I don't think it was ours, it was somewhere else, but like, there are guys still complaining about, like, oh, what's it gonna do to locker room chemistry if you you pay some guys a million plus dollars and others only like 200 grand? And it's like, well, what does it do locker room chemistry to your ass beat by your rival three years in a row? Yeah. You don't have yeah, any good safeties. That, that's what I get for – it was – famously, it was Nevada Buck was talking about when Ryan Day brought in Justin Fields. And before it happened, he was talking about, like, what what's it going to do to the locker room for you to just bring in a quarterback like that and, you know, start him over a guy like Tate Martell who's, you know, worked his ass off and, like, earned the right and, you know, earned the, the job or whatever. It's like, uh – I think winning actually does really good things for a locker room. Just generally speaking, I think like that's, that's probably in, in terms of just like what is best for the, the team chemistry. I think winning is actually the best for the team chemistry. So whatever it takes to win, I think generally speaking that that does do well that in the locker room. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. All, all in all, it is, it is a pretty promising um, recruiting update. I think we're just kind of chilling, you know? Um, and I mean, Michigan is is not really kind of chilling. I think they are uh, coming back to earth, um, this recruiting class, especially of late, um, losing some... I've basically been in like a two-day argument with all their fans getting pissed off at me now 
about my I've had like 45 Michigan types in my D in my in my DMs and my replies and my comments at their secondary room because I don't think that like just having one and a half good players or corners good enough for an entire like next three years. Um, that's just me though. That's just what I'm going through. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. You don't really have to make that argument here. Um, I think anybody can see that. Holy shit! This is another one. While we're just talking shit about Michigan, um, this is not on our list. Did you see Jim Harbaugh called J.J. McCarthy a generational-type quarterback? Uh, yes, and also that he told Bruce Feldman they were going to have 20 NFL players drafted this year and is break the record. High? Like, what? What? what is... There, there's just the not McCarthy a chance, thing right? is, and there's, there's no chance. No, there's no chance. Like, I... I also saw Michigan is going to have a very good team. I get a dozen players drafted, which is fucking awesome. That's really, really good. But like 20 players, you're out of your fucking mind. And, and like the McCarthy thing, like, what am I missing? Cause I saw another one that was like, it was, it was one of those like anonymous scouts think that JJ McCarthy might be better than Caleb Williams. What scouts who, what are they scouting? Like the CFL? Like I, I, what I just, I, I, he's, he's bad. He's a bad quarterback. He can't throw the ball down the field. Like, no, I, dude. I, I don't know. Like, am I on an he island? He can't process. Here? No, no, you're 100% right. He can't process. He's inaccurate. Like, it's, I see some of these, like, pro, like, he racked up some easy throws against bad teams. He is accurate. Like, look, if you want to argue if McCarthy's learns how to become accurate in the next year, his ceiling is like a top 50 pick. I think that's compelling. I think he's a good enough yeah. athlete. But, but like, the development gap from where he's at, to be a generational quarterback is so far. So, so I had, I had, I had two takes on that. Well, for, first I want to talk about the thing that you just said about like, if he learns how to be accurate, could he be like a, a, you know, a top 50 pick in the NFL? That's insane to me because you're literally saying if he happens to get better at playing his position, right? Like, he could be a you different guy. That, if he was a different, if he was a different that, player, he'd be sick. Yeah. You could say that about literally any player in college football. Like if he right. got better at the most important thing at his position, you know, he's he's a top five pick waiting to happen. Like you know, if if fucking like Cam Martinez got locked down in coverage this offseason, that's yeah. that's a you know that's a top. Sure, five it's pick just a, it's a massive change. The comp right now for McCarthy is a less consistent Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Which was a third yeah. round pick. That's who he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that I mean, I, I just I, I was floored by all all that I'm seeing. The the funniest thing though is um if you actually read what Harbaugh said, he said a generational type quarterback at Michigan. And he might not be wrong. You know, af- after I actually read the quote, I, yeah, I guess like, well, the shit. bar is low. The bar is so low that JJ McCarthy, who is a bad quarterback, is probably the best quarterback they've had since Chad Henney. Fuck, Denard yeah. was pretty cool. Denard was cool, but he was—I mean, he—he was. He was a, yeah, there's a reason why he played running back in the NFL. I will say, like, are we sure McCarthy's numbers last year were better than Shea Patterson's best season at Michigan? The eye test told me that <laughs> Shea Patterson was better, but yeah, like. I, McCarthy's fun. He's a pretty good college starter. Like he's—he's—he's. He's, he's, yeah, but like, talk of him as like a top. 15 NFL draft it's prospect insane. is insane. The um and I I get this a lot too of all the like, well, if he's a bad quarterback, he sliced apart Ohio State's secondary. It's like, isn't that embarrassing? Yeah, 
yeah, it fucking is. He, like, he was throwing to wide open receivers. It was horrible, you know? Like, I, it was embarrassing. Like, that does make it way worse that this horrible quarterback sliced apart Ohio State's secondary and threw for, like, 300 yards. Yeah, you're damn right that's more embarrassing. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, that doesn't make him a good quarterback that he destroyed Ohio State's secondary by hitting wide open uh players when the corner falls down and cover zero like what well, i i don't know what to tell you like the the when ohio state made defensive adjustments to actually cover the field do, how many passes uh passed longer than i think it was seven yards do you think he had in the entire second half completions uh two one it was one, one. completed <laughs> completed one pass longer than seven yards the entire second half of the Ohio State Michigan game, and he had fifty uh, percent like of his passes. He he was horrific in that game. It's just he happened to throw ducks to wide open receivers. So, man, I I I I, I don't know what to say to the people who can insist that he is not just like a a fine quarterback. There are people that insist he is a great quarterback that's going to be like a. I don't know. There's there's Michigan fans that think he's better than C.J. Stroud, which is insane. It's insane. They're insane. They're just delusional. Like I think the thing about Michigan that's so annoying is like they are legitimately developing very well right now. They're a very good program. They're hiring yeah. very well. Like especially at I think their SNC, their O line development, their running back development, and to a lesser extent, I think their secondary development has been very strong the past few years. But, like, they're just complaining that it's everything on their team is better than everyone else's team everywhere. They think they're better than right. George. They think it's the best team in generation. Like, there's just a, still a lot of holes on this Michigan. Like, the fact they have, like, an average UMass corner as their number two corner. They have, like, a, a, a guy who had, like, Santa Sill was pretty good at slot corner. I think he's a pretty good player. Like, maybe, like, a second or third, all you know, team, all Big Ten guy. Like, Rod Moore's fine. Like, linebackers might be ass. I, I think a houseman's pretty good. I think I, I, he's not even start their D line is a lot of new faces. Like there's a lot of like shit in Michigan's thing that has to develop at the same rate and stay good again. And I think they are conflating two years of development with being like, Oh, we're Georgia next bit up everywhere forever. And it's like, let's just fucking pump the brakes. Like you don't recruit the way Georgia does the way Bama does the way Ohio state does. And all of those teams are obviously susceptible to drop-offs as has been every other team everywhere forever. Like, yeah, they're comparing themselves to the D'Antonio Michigan State teams, but a better version of it. And it's true in the sense they both cover up a lot of crimes, picking players in the field, but not true in the sense that like they're like doing that for that long period of time. Like, let's just wait and see on Michigan. That's all I'm saying. Like, those guys are like I think they're a top five team. This idea of them being like a national title winner, both all most all time guys drafted, generational quarterback. It's just way too much of a logical leap. It's just, it's not there. They're a good college football team yeah. who will probably, I, I think, is the should be the favorite to win the Big Ten, in my opinion, and will probably make the playoff. I think they'll probably come into Columbus 11 or no, or rather go into Ann Arbor 11 or no against Ohio State. I think they're probably making the playoff, but I'm just not convinced they're a fucking juggernaut they think they are, and especially now that J.J. McCarthy's the face of that team. He is like a secondary piece to an elite running game and a very strong defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I just, I, the their toxic trait. Ohio State's toxic trait lately has been, um, we hate everything about our team, and their toxic trait is just the most absurd delusion I've ever seen. 
And it makes it hard to like even have a conversation because like I got I I mean like like you said, their second best corner is a, a UMass starter. Um if that happened at Ohio State, we would be like fucking losing our minds and you know, ready to fire the coach that was responsible for allowing that to happen and they're insisting that they're actually good. I don't know. Um that that was this was not something that I intended to talk about. It's just as it happens, uh we it is it is in our very existence, it is in our very nature that we talk shit about Michigan, um, which we'll circle back around to what's actually on the slide mm-hmm. next. But um, that kind of gets segues perfectly into uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about, which was Ryan Day's comments on um, basically his suggestion that Ohio State or that the Big Ten should consider moving the Ohio State-Michigan game. Um, to earlier in the year so that um, basically to prevent a rematch the next week in the Big Ten title game. And I, you know, I, I wrote a, I wrote a pretty long um, thing on this uh, at meetatmidfield.com if you want to um, subscribe and read that. I published it last week. Um, basically, like my take on that is that is both a perfectly logical thing to suggest like yeah, it, it would kind of suck in like in a, a from an outsider's perspective. Like yeah, it, it would make the Ohio State game meaningless to an outsider if they played the very next week for you know a um, Big Ten championship. But the fact that Ryan Day was concerned about that enough to bring it up in a press conference it tells me that he just doesn't understand because like I I cannot and I think that this is on both sides of the rivalry. We can't really fathom, like, we, we don't really comprehend the concept of the game not meaning anything or being meaningless or being minimized. Like, that doesn't compute. Like, I don't know how the Ohio State-Michigan game could be minimal, minim, minim, minimized. You could play that game in the middle of June, and it would be the most important game that Ohio State played all year. You know, like, it, it could be an exe- exhibition game that means nothing, technically, and it would still be the most important game. So, like... I, I think that he just kind of misunderstands that because he's trying to solve a problem that doesn't really exist. Yeah, I, I mean, the idea of, like, especially... It, it's basically what it is here. And to clarify, I something I do want to say is I think the fact that Ryan Day said it out loud and then Jim Harbaugh basically reaffirmed it means... as There's point, this conver- about it. These, they've already happened. They've, the the yeah. conversations have already happened. The fact that he was the first one to say it is the part that pissed me off. Yeah. It's... He brought it up unprompted in the light of him getting his ass kicked twice in a row. That's why it's wrong. Like, if this is going to move and you're going to afterwards say, oh, look, it's okay, it's better for a program, playoff, yada, yada, whatever, that's fine. For you to be the one everyone attached this quote to now, and it looks like it comes from you, yeah. or you're putting public pressure behind it. Like, him saying it is aiding the effort towards it because he does want it to happen, which is why he doesn't get it. Not to say that yes. he's the progenitor for the idea. He clearly is not. However, he is becoming the public face for it and putting support behind it in a way that makes me think he wants this to happen, which is fucking bullshit. Like, yeah, well, I, the, it's the correct. If if it is going to happen, the correct way to respond was how Jim Harbaugh said. It's like, I don't really care when we play the game. I just want to win it yep. sort of thing. Like, that's the only way that you should be responding to this. Yeah, 100 percent. It's obviously all that should ever happen. Um, it fucking sucks, dude. Like, it's. I understand. Sorry, I think I muted myself there by accident. You're good. Um, I I, uh, I think that basically, 
it will get moved because of this, which is fucking really annoying and should not happen. The number of years when you have Ohio State, USC, Penn State, Michigan, you know, potentially coming soon, Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, et cetera, all these teams in the right. same league, the number of times you'll have a back-to-back Big Ten champion, like you'll play Michigan and play them again the next week, is pretty Hello. rare. Yeah. It's it's pretty rare. And also the idea, not just that, because that's not even the point. Playing back-to-back is one thing. The argument that te- – basically what they're saying is that the teams will be incentivized to rest their player for that game because they'll know they'll play again the second week. Yes. The times where both teams have no impact on that game, of them being able to make it yes or no, is so infinitesimally low. It's just not going to happen. Like, think- especially now as you have better opponents, better opposition, like game, you know, teams are going to play more, like better teams more often. Right. It's not going to go that way. So Marcus Hartman of the Dayton Daily News actually like ran the numbers basically going back. So Ohio State has played Michigan um, every year at the end of the year, uh, the last game of the season since 1935. And since then, um, I think he the number was 14, I believe. I'm not I don't have it in front of me, but basically it's in it's in my article. I quoted him in, in the article that I wrote on Meet at Midfield. Um, but he it worked out to be like every five years ish, they could repeat or they could play again. And every seven ish years, it would kind of be pre-decided who was going to the, uh, um, that they, that there would be a rematch like before the, they would know that they were going to have a rematch before they played at the end of the season. But that also is skewed because the big 10 was so bad and Ohio state and Michigan were so good during the 10 year war of, uh, Woody and Bo, that I think almost every season during the 10 year war that would have happened. And it was like, you knew before they played each other that they would have repeated. So um, I, I, I think as you're saying, when you are adding more teams, more good teams like USC, uh, potentially Notre Dame, Oregon, like that to the mix and teams like Penn state and Wisconsin, like, you know, there are just a lot of other good teams in the big 10. The times that this would, be like a foregone conclusion that Ohio State and Michigan would repeat or would uh, rematch in the Big Ten championship game before they met each other on the field. Like it, it is so low that it's not like it's not worth pre-planning for. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And like again, I think Colton's response is the best one too. It's like you know he should have said like basically we would welcome the chance for something to do to do something an Ohio State team has never done before, which beat Michigan twice in one season. That's the only answer yeah. you gotta have. And if they want to move it, they got to move it. That's their choice, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. How hard is that to um, say? Yeah. And, and I think, like, I should say, if they do move it here, there is one way to spin it that I will not be absolutely furious with, which is to return to the third Saturday in November. Um, yeah. Which you can say is the real tradition. It's been that way for, you know, 100 of the rivalries, 120-something years. Yeah. Like, or more than that, I guess, 130-something years. But, like, that's a fair shout if you want to say that. Anything except that's unacceptable. And even then, like, what is the meaningful difference between playing a team twice in four weeks or twice in twice in two weeks? I just don't think it's that much of a difference. It's not. Um the only the only thing that is it would protect probably against the we know that we're gonna meet them again in the, the Big Ten championship game. Like Yeah. I, and like I, I I don't I don't want to minimize this. Like I do see the logic behind that. Like I'm not sure. I I, I it, logic, but it's not a logic. Sense. It's not a logic governed sport. It should not be a logic governed sport. It, it, exactly. this, is, this is a game that is based on emotion, based on tradition. That is more important than that. Exactly. Like that. That's the whole thing. Is like the rivalry is not the rivalry was not built on logic of these two teams being like really good or whatever. It was based on 
two teams that wanted to kick each other's ass and tradition and all of that. And so trying to logic your way around and find logical solutions to that, it just doesn't really compute. And I think that's what made people so mad is because this is a game about emotion. It's about feels. It's about um, tradition. And this whole move has nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. Yeah, it pisses me off. Um, I hate the way he frames it. I hate the way that he's pushing for it. I hate the where it's coming from. The actual move itself, I do understand at some level, but I just don't. I simply don't care that much. Like, I, yeah. I just don't think that. Also, we should ask a question. I mean, like, the Big Ten Championship won't really mean that much with the playoff coming. We know they'll never get rid of the game. But why can't the Big Ten just add a league? Like, you can't play team back-to-back. If you if, Like, I don't care if you're the two best teams by record. You can't play back-to-back. And, like, protect, yeah. pri- practice, prioritize the game, which does better numbers every year in the Big Ten Championship by far than prioritize the Big Ten Championship doesn't matter as much. That's it. Yep. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, or even a I, non-rematch clause. You want to do that. Like, who, like, fine. Right, yeah. The best two teams that haven't played each other. You know, like, I, I don't know. Sure. Um, but I... I don't know. I think um, I, I think that all in all, it is I, I, I wrote a whole article on it. You can just go read it at meet at midfield. We don't need to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, you did a great more. job with that. Cool. Um, but it's just I, I understand it. I see the logic behind it. Um, I, I definitely see the argument. It just at, the argument isn't about what they're making the argument about. I don't I don't personally care. I can't the game would never mean nothing, so I don't really care if the game is minimized. And um, I mean, frankly, if if that was the case, and Ohio State and Michigan were resting their starters or something like that, I, hell yeah, I'd love to see Ohio State second string versus Michigan second string. Like, I don't know. I just it's it's setting up problems that I just don't think that we have. So um, yeah, well, you know what I am excited about though to kind of you know come back to a positive note here. Uh, I am pumped about? about about the gray jerseys. Oh yes, yes. Um, uh, sorry, was I, should I do that ad read there? Should we do an ad read? Well, we can we can parlay gray jerseys <laughs> into an ad read. Um, if you, I imagine that it will also be a gray out in in Ohio Stadium that day. They're when they're playing Michigan State. Um, I I have actually been calling for that for like years because you see, Ohio State tries this scarlet out. And it it's just stupid because most people wear scarlet to games anyway. They wear red to the games. They wear the red jerseys. And so like Ohio Stadium just like looks red. And so when they do the scarlet out, it looks no fucking different. It's just like fans are just wearing their like Braxton Miller jerseys or whatever. But yeah, um, I've been wanting them to do a like color coordinated gray crowd, and I think it'll look really cool. And if you are going to that Ohio State Michigan game, Home Field Apparel has you covered um, preemptively. If you want to shop their selection of gray shirts to match the upcoming gray um, alternate uniforms, uh, you know, swing on by. Um, I think they have a few cool gray shirts. Um, yeah, they do. Have... I, I I own a couple of them. Yeah. Not only that, but they're also dropping a new Ohio State collection on Saturday. Exactly. Oh, is, is it is it this Saturday? It is this are Saturday. Break, are we breaking news here? I didn't know about this. No, it's, it's already public. Yeah, you just oh, didn't read shit. their tweets. I just didn't read their tweets. <laughs> Some parts uh... I am. There's uh, there's Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State gear all dropped in the same day. Wow. And if you want to buy any of it, if you want to buy some Michigan gear to performatively burn as a weird guy, um, or you want to buy some Ohio State gear to wear for fun, uh, including some great stuff for the, for the game, you can get 15% off your first purchase to go meet at midfield. Um, 
if, yeah. you, if you somehow, I guess this is a free pod. We maybe we have some new listeners. Um, yeah, yeah, season's wrapping up. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Hop hop on and uh, hop aboard. Get some get some of your home field apparel. Um, code meet at midfield. Fifteen percent off your first order. It doesn't work on your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh. We've tried. Um, they they don't like it. Um, but fifteen uh, percent off your first order. Um, yeah, man. I I. I will be repping gray for that game, um, whether I go or not. Tough to tell, um, but I am very excited about these gray jerseys. I have been literally like as long as I can remember. I think I have wanted Ohio State to wear gray jerseys. Um, I think there was like this this sick back when they even had like the gray sleeves. There was like a, a bootleg version of like a gray version of the old. Uh, um, Ohio State gray sleeve jerseys that was like a, a a gray, I don't know. But for a very long time, I have wanted gray jerseys, and they kind of teased me a little bit with those damn wolf uniforms back in 2017, um, which looked mm-hmm. really cool aesthetically. I just didn't except like I didn't like the helmets. Yeah, yeah, the helmets weren't that cool. I wish they could have just had like regular helmets or even worn like their black helmets or something like that. I don't know anything but the helmets. The, but then they like attached like the wolf fur stuff to it, which was really weird. I don't know. Like that the whole like the uniforms themselves were like aesthetically beautiful. I liked them a lot. But like they the the whole wolf thing, if they're gonna make I don't it, it that that I that just didn't do it for me. Um but this time they're doing it right and they put out the actual um basically the, the standard home and away uh kit, I guess, with just gray coloring and it looks awesome. I'm I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'm pumped up. Um, I think they're they're some of the best looking jerseys we've put out. Like I did, I think I was part of the. I guess basically all of their all color scheme uniforms, except the all black ones, are pretty sick. Like the all black ones, I think were kind of fine. The all scarlet ones. I think they were ones, cool one time. Yeah, the all scarlet ones are pretty tight. I was a big fan of those. Uh, the cocaine whites, of course, are famous, fantastic. Those have to come back. Yeah. Um, the all gray ones, but. The challenge is, what color is the opponent going to wear? That I've been wondering that. I've been wondering that because, like, oh, so basically the color seems to match the pants as it should. But if you've looked at Ohio State's pants, they are not dark. Like they're not no. dark pants by any means. They're um, like you could you could be led to believe that they're white. They're like more of a silver than anything, and. I think they used to be darker, but like in the past, like two decades or whatever, they are, they're pretty much silver. So if they truly match the pants, I, I don't know how you can wear white against that. Like maybe Michigan state's just going to wear blue or green or whatever, but like, I, I, I don't know. Like to, to me, these look more like away uniforms than they do home uniforms. Yeah, I tend to agree but they're already said they're wearing them for the Michigan State game. Right. So I wonder if you just ask Michigan State to wear all green. Because Michigan State's home uniform is all green. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. Like, I, I'm i fine with Michigan State wearing green. I think that makes sense. But um, I, I think what I – the reason why I really like the gray uniform, um, the gray jersey at least, uh, is Ohio State has kind of been setting up for um, – they basically just have the the same a different color of all of their like pieces of the uniform. So they have like a black jersey, um, white jersey, red jersey, gray jersey now. 
Um, and now they have gray pants, red pants, black pants, white pants. So like hypothetically, they can now like mix and match these two. And I don't know if they're ever going to actually do that, but I would be interested in seeing what like a gray jersey with red pants would look like. I could be sold on that. I'm intrigued by it. I would just overall like to have. I guess I would like like the, the uniforms for me that I like. I want the gray alternate. I want the black alternate. I want the the Ohio State playoff 2014 jerseys. Those should be yeah. standard. And I want the cocaine white to steal away jersey standard. Yeah. Like, but you mix in the gray and the black as alternates. Yeah. Never fuck with the helmet. I, I yeah, do that... not ever want to. I hate when the alternates change the helmet. The so I I really like the black jerseys, but weirdly enough, I think the black looks the best when it's black with gray pants and gray helmet, like when the quarterbacks wear it during the spring game. I think that's yeah. the best the black jersey looks because it looks like just a black version of an Ohio State uniform, whereas the black all black uniforms like it looks like I don't know fucking Nebraska, or Oklahoma like State, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think yeah, I agree with you. That's I, that is my favorite version of the black jersey is like weirdly enough when the quarterbacks wear them during the spring game. I think that's when they agree the best. So speaking uh, of the spring game, Kevin, we're due for our first new practices since then, since April. That, that is true. Um, you know, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if we, our, our whole like next talking point is like, what are we looking at in terms of practice? Like, what are we excited to see? Um, weirdly, like, I think that I'm more just like at peace with what Ohio state is right now, that there's not a ton lingering that I'm like necessarily interested in. Um, I, I guess like the, the obvious one, and I'm going to address this right off the bat is the quarterback battle. I don't give a shit. I don't, I wrote about this last week. I don't, I don't care who plays quarterback. It does not matter. Um, I, you know, like I obviously I've, I've made it clear that I'm a Devin Brown guy. I would like to see him be the quarterback, whatever, but I just don't think it functionally matters which of these guys wins the job because I think they're both like of a replace, like above replacement level that like, they're not going to win or lose a game for Ohio state. Like quarterback play is not going to be the reason why Ohio state wins or loses a single game this upcoming season. It's, it's not going to be the difference. Uh, depending on like going from Devin Brown to Kyle McCord or Kyle McCord to Devin Brown, like that's not going to make or break this team. So like as much as it's like a compelling story, it's like you want to know who's going to be the quarterback of the team. Like at the end of the day, I truly do not care. Yeah. It's just always good. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think we have a Bama situation on their hands here where they're starving for choices. Like you have two top three quarterbacks who have time in the system battling for a starting job. Like, I, I'm not in love with Kyle McCord as the option. I think I still lean towards Devin Brown just based on traits. But like, if he beats out, if Brown, if McCord beats out Brown again, I curse Ryan Day for a lot. I trust his quarterback play implicitly. Like it's going to be fine. He had the best year ever of JT Barrett, who was you know after all of his train wreck collisions of, of running, like Haskins was brilliant right off the bat. Fields brilliant right off the bat. Uh, Stroud right at the bat. All three of those guys had basically no experience like before playing. Like all of those guys had McCord is more experienced coming into the season than any of those three players were. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, you know, snap count, in terms of pass attempts, uh, he is more veteran than all of them. 
I guess maybe Haskins might have exceeded him in pass attempts because of like backup time, but not by much. Like it's basically like it's. I'm Kyle not McCord, stressed about it. Yeah, Kyle McCord has started and played a full game. Yeah, yeah, so, and he threw some stupid passes. But, yeah, yeah. It, it, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine, basically, right? And like the receivers they have, it's going to be fine. Again, I still tend to trust Brown a little more. I think the fact that McCord hasn't really seized the job, there's been a little less buzz around McCord too, in my opinion. There was around Stroud or Fields or Haskins. Yeah, but like. I just don't care because it's going to be fine. I think it is right. weird how little attention it's gotten. Like Ryan Day and his like manipulation of the Ohio State media has like successfully snuffed out all the juice for this competition. But I do think it will pick up a little bit these next few weeks because the decision yeah. will have to be made in the next couple weeks here. I well, think there'll be some more juice around it. It's very interesting because like I I don't know if um like I don't know, maybe this is being mean or disrespectful to those two quarterbacks but like i i think it's just that there's not the same juice around who the quarterback is you know like for lack of a of a kinder way to say this both guys are just kind of boring i guess um, yeah like when you had like justin fields and it was like a quarterback battle between uh, was there was that really a quarterback that wasn't a quarterback battle justin fields was going to be the starter um i think people were just excited for him to be like named the starter whatever and then you had like cj stroud earned it over um jack miller and quinn ewers who was that was weird all around i don't know like there has been compelling like stars that people were like excited about and i just don't see the same excitement for either mccord or um more yeah i guess the interesting part is this (laughs) If you want to look at it this way, it will be the first time since 2007 that Ohio State will go bell to bell with a white starting quarterback. Yeah, that's true, man. Because it, it happened with uh, with with Beckman in 07, but it's been 08 since there has been at least like multiple games started by black quarterback. On the other hand, of this, I think we talked about this maybe on the on on the flipping the field podcast with me and Patrick. Uh, Pitt has just landed a commitment from Julian Duggar of Penn Hills. It is the first time they have a black scholarship quarterback in over 20 years. Isn't that fucking insane? In college football? That's like... It's, that's like how can you be that racist a program? How can you be that racist? And like, like that's like getting to the point it's where... Almost, it's almost hard to do that. It is, because you have to like... That's like an active choice. It, his, when's the last time Iowa's had a black quarterback? Um, It was in the 2000s. Someone looked this up too, because they were there was someone in like the late, late aughts, I think. Damn. Yeah. yeah, that's that is oof. 30 years you said? 20, 20, 20 but yeah. 20. Good lord, that is oof. That is, that is nuts. Um yeah. Man. And that's just like uh-huh. on the roster too. That's not a starter, right? Correct, yeah. <laughs> man. Jesus. Yeah. How did and again, that that's that's a fan reported stats. I don't know if that's 100% like I should probably verify all that based on their signees, but I'm not. We, we, we don't verify things. Yeah, we just, it sounds, we trust Zach. We have to be solid. And, yeah. Yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, besides the quarterbacks, I guess uh, I'm also interested to see, of course, the big ones, the OL battle. Everyone's kind of yeah. excited about that. Um, what did you make of Ryan Day's comments with the tackles? Do you follow that story uh, where he was kind of talking about some of the tackle configurations? Yeah, it was, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of anything i i haven't known what to do what to make of the tackles for like since the spring i think and so like every yeah. time 
every time something comes up about them, I think I get more confused and I feel like we should be getting more clarity as time goes on. But like, God, I, I have no idea what to expect from the offensive line, generally speaking, this upcoming season. And maybe that should make me more nervous about the quarterback than it should. Yeah. Well, the thing that intrigued me is his, the fact that he didn't mention Schwartz Fitzpatrick, but did mention Tech or Tishabola and Luke Montgomery. Right. Um, I still tend to think, like, my gut assumption here is the starting tackles are Josh Fryer and uh, and Jimmy Simmons. Which, by the way, do you see that, that he always goes by Jimmy now? Have you been following that? That uh, Josh Simmons goes by Jimmy on the team? Oh, um, I, 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 did, I did not get catch that, but yeah, uh, so I guess. It's, uh, it's Josh Fryer and Jimmy Simmons are the one I'm kind of betting on here. I still don't think Tegra is a tackle. Tegra well, is a guard to me. He's been a guard since his sophomore year of high school. That's that's what confused me the most because it seemed like, like reading between the lines of how he was talking in the spring, it seemed like I tried my best at tackle. It didn't work. I'm a guard. You know, like, yeah. Like, like, like I'm a guard. Like it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Obviously I didn't win the job. And like, that seemed to be like how Ryan day was approaching it too. But like, is he still a tackle? Is yeah, I is it I a lack of confidence in Fryer? I wonder if Fryer go back to right guard and Tegra. Like that's concerning. I, well, because 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 I thought so. Like you you have to assume old Jimmy here is going to slide in there because he he's I don't know he's 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 the guy that seems to be like you you don't you don't bring him in if he's not going to start. Um, Agreed. But. And and they obviously haven't seen him like he hasn't practiced officially yet either since they added him in the spring too. So like obviously, if they're if they're still talking about um, Tegra as a tackle, you can't really read between the lines there and assume that they don't have confidence in old Jimmy. It has to be Josh Fryer. I Logi- think logically, right? Well, I think they're both going to start a tackle, right? That's the thing is, I don't think there's any like. Yeah, I so, guess so, you have so, to think that. You have to so, think so, that Fryer doesn't have the job like didn't do as well as they thought he would. The other th- the only other thing that you can that you can make is that do they think Tegrish sucks inside? Um see like I I, I I I feels to me like I think they're trying to find a way to get Tegra on the field. My opinion, which you know very well, is still their best five is a moving Jones to center and playing Jackson and Tegra at guard and probably Fryer and Simmons at tackle. Um, I don't make anything of Luke Montgomery being included, by the way. Luke Montgomery is just a talented player they're going to include there. Fitzpatrick not being mentioned is worrying me. I I basically, I think it's a three-man battle, right? And it's like, it's Tegra for some reason with Fryer and Simmons. And maybe Jackson gets tried there, but I I don't know. Like, I'm I'm starting to get more nervous with the line than I was like off those comments. Well, I I was I was at peace with it, and I thought that it was going to be pretty simple, like like you said, you know. But with with the Tegra, I don't know, man. I I just I I like I said, I keep getting more and more confused with what the line is going to look like um, coming up this year. And so, like, I don't know if I'm excited necessarily about the battle. I just want to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, me too. I, I want to see the practice. I want to see the formations are lined up in. I want to see the rep count. Um, I want to basically have our boy Bill Landish turning what he sees out there and kind of see, it's fine. We learned about that. And then there is, there is the, cause like 
you never really know because I remember famously um, when they moved Thayer Munford inside. I don't think anybody really had that on their radar until um, a unnamed player leaked it to Buckeye Scoop, and uh, <laughs> they like they posted it because long story short that's kind of i think what tipped them off that they had to have had some sort of inside information because nobody knew about that happening those formations and stuff happening that uh, thayer was moving inside so like the way the vagueness that he's talking about and the history of just like totally reshuffling the offensive line they might do something like fucking nuts and like i i don't i don't know what to make of it like are they going to try to move like josh fryer inside and then have like Tegra on the outside or like or Jackson. Get, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Like I, I just, he hasn't given really any answers, but he's just talked really vaguely about, about everything. So I, I think like a lot is still on the table and that's why I'm so interested in just like what the hell's going to happen. Me too. Me too. And I have to see, like we said, it's, it's just so fundamental the season. Like, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't really have an answer here, and it's concerning, but I, I do think that, I think that I'm confident that Simmons will be fine at one of the tackle spots. I think he was, like, he's a competent Big Ten tackle. I think they're going to be fine at guard based on their options. I just don't know the rest of it. Yeah. I don't know what happens at center. I don't know what happens at left tackle or one of the other tackle jobs. One of the tackles. I just, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I I think I think it will end up being okay, and I I don't know. Maybe that's just blind optimism, but like I I think it's gonna be fine. Um, I just don't really know what the hell their plan is. And Ryan Day has not the way that he's talked. It has not been like this is our firm plan. Like there's been no nothing in his comments that like tells me this is what we're going to do. And that leaves me kind of concerned, I guess. Uh, yeah. at least curious yeah. curious is the right word because like at the same time he doesn't necessarily sound worried and maybe that's just like him being a coach because like a coach shouldn't be like concerned at this point but right. like, his his comments don't sound worried but he also just like isn't giving the answers that i expect him to give yeah and also again i, I want to point out here really quick if they do fuck it up this season the offensive line is bad or a liability it's a direct reflection of his portal strategy, which sucks, and I've talked about multiple times. Yeah, and it's his own fault. Um, I'll say that is the kind of last thing in the O line. Um, the other stuff, the defensive line performance. I guess I'm kind of interested to see how Jack Sawyer does, but I won't read much into that because of the tackles. But really, the, the bigger thing. I don't know if you have any comments on D line. I think pretty much we're both agreements on it. It's just like the bigger thing is the starting safeties, right? Are they actually going to fuck around and play Proctor and Martinez, or was that all just like keeping them around and not transfer during spring ball? I'm they better praying not. to God it's the latter. I'm praying to God it's the latter. Yeah. I, and I've been on this train too. You, uh, this is my very public take. I can't see a realm of reality where the good players are not starting by the end of the season. And maybe they give, give the bad guys a, uh, a run towards the beginning of the season. But by the Notre Dame game, I think we're going to see the good safeties playing. I think so too. The problem with that is they keep doing that. And they're not winning games by enough that Day, who's already way too conservative when he pulls his starters, he keeps them in way too long, doesn't actually get, get enough reps. And then he doesn't get enough reps for the young guys. So yeah. because of that, then he even doubles down further and playing it. Like if he starts with the bad players first, you know he won't put in the good players fast enough in backup positions. 
which means then he'll use his argument midseason and say, oh, well, the guys who are more experienced, more veteran, you know, these guys just are battle test, yada, yada. Right. And we won't say the good players at all. Um, there's no argument for that really based on how little Josh Proctor has played and how little like Mitchell Melton has played, for example, for CJ Hicks. Like H- Hicks and Styles have to play. They yes. have to start. Um, I still think they should have moved Ransom. Maybe they do. I don't know. I'm just like... I'll be out if it's not if it's not ransom styles Carter, I'll be apoplectic. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I, I mean we we have been talking about that for weeks, months. I think yeah. we were talking about that before this the last season ended, that that needed to be um what was happening. But um Yeah. Also my new take by the way is that um Igbenison is going to be the C B one and that Burke and Hancock are battling for cornerback two versus three reps. That's my I, new I, hot take. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I think that kid's awesome. Me too. I feel so, good about him. All right, yeah, we should I, get out of here. It's been a long podcast. <laughs> it, it has. We, we we had a lot to cover. We had two weeks of stuff to to talk about. But uh, man, I think we're we're getting into the thick of of the um, prognostication period, which is spring camp. So we're yes, excited sir. for all the takes. But uh, well, right. I'll well, sign us we'll... out this time. Okay. Um, go Bucks! Michigan sucks, and help is on the way.